0: You are tuned into The Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of The Dr. Tina Show, I'm sitting down with canine herbalist expert Rita Hogan, and we had a lovely conversation all about dogs and dog health and vitality. You guys know I love dogs so much, probably more than I love humans, and it was a real treat to discuss all things health and vitality and wellness, all about our lovely canine companions, with Rita and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's jump in. I've never been big on skincare, but recently started getting more serious as the signs of aging are definitely showing. I've recently started using an incredible skincare line and I'm excited and wanted to share with you. The past few years, my skin has been doing this annoying combo between an allergic prickly heat rash and a perimenopausal rosacea and it drives me nuts. My buddy Andy Nilo owns a skincare line and so I reached out to him for help. Andy is the best dude, and he kindly sent me a big box of products to try. And let me just say, wow, I am in love with Alatura skincare. Each and every product from Alatura is a game changer for my skin. The products feel amazing and my skin is calm and clear again. Alatura is handcrafted natural skincare. Their mission is simple, to provide customers a skincare wellness experience with products made of superior natural ingredients packed with nutrients, minerals, and natural growth factors. Alatura is the skincare line I've been looking for and it checks all the boxes. It's all natural, cruelty-free, non-toxic, non-GMO, and as organic as possible. Listeners of the Dr. Tina show can now save 20% off your first order by heading to alitura.com. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com. And be sure to use code Dr. Tina at checkout for the discount or simply click the link in the show notes. You're going to love it. Hey guys, I've been using an incredible supplement for brain support and I wanted to share. Rise by Cured Nutrition is a nootropic blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and cannabinoids that will leave your brain firing on all cylinders. It contains a blend of lion's mane, cordyceps mushrooms, rhodiola, ginseng, and broad spectrum CBD. Let me just tell you, I've been using all of these herbs and ingredients for a long time and I love them all. So to have them all in one place is incredible. I initially started taking Rise by Cured Nutrition because perimenopause brain is real and and after reading over the label, I was sold. Rise by Cured also contains broad spectrum CBD, which aids in balancing the supplement as many of these nootropic focus supplements can be a bit overstimulating. So including the CBD in there helps avoid this. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners of the Dr. Tina Show. You can grab Rise for 20% off by visiting www.curednutrition.com forward slash Tina. And using coupon code Dr. Tina at checkout. That's C U R E D nutrition.com forward slash Dr. Tina and coupon code Dr. Tina to save 20%. Rita Hogan, welcome to the Dr. Tina show. I am so excited to have you here. We have a mutual podcast producer who has been telling me about you for months and months telling me that we would be fast friends and that we would have such great discussions. You're a clinical herbalist specializing in dogs. I love dogs more than humans. So, welcome to the show. Will you introduce yourself for the audience, please?
1: Yeah, my name is Rita Hogan. I am a again, a clinical canine herbalist. I have been working in this field for over 20 years. And- And I have a full time clinical practice in Olympia, Washington, but it is uh, mostly virtual. I I do see some local people, but I deal with people all over the world. Uh, I'm a speaker, formulator, medicine maker. Um, I formulate for a lot of big uh, dog product companies, all natural dog product companies. And I just really love what I do. Then I have a book coming out. Oh, you do? What's it about? It is, uh, I don't really have a title yet. My publisher's running behind. So it probably won't come out till like next fall. But um, it, the title that I use right now is The Herbal Dog. It's about holistic uh, canine herbalism and and how to kind of practice that with your dog. It's for, you know, it's for all levels of people.
0: So I love it. You're, I got to tell you a funny story. When I was in naturopathic school, we of course had extensive herbalism training. And it was always on Friday afternoons. And by then, and I was going to chiropractic college concurrently across the the city. And so, and I was a single mom. So I was pretty burned out. So by Friday afternoon, you can imagine my attention was like, (laughs) you know, I was having a hard time hanging on. It also was in the spring. So that's, that was when our first quarter of it was. And I was like, it's spring in Oregon. I got to go outside, right? So anyway, I was having a tough time in herbal medicine. Not that I didn't love it. I just wasn't, it just wasn't sinking in for whatever reason. And so I love dogs. So I went out and bought all these books about dog herbalism. That's also how I learned homeopathy. I bought all these dog books about dog homeopathy and I studied those to learn my herbs. And that's what I went and took my board exams on and I did great. (laughs) So and I have a whole shelf here of dog, like literally like dog, you know, holistic veterinary medicine dog books. So I will add your book to the collection because I think that it's great. There's a lot of overlap. I Well, you you know better than I, but I have found there to be some overlap. So anyway, that's my funny story. <laughs> that's, there's
1: definitely overlap for sure
0: yeah so how did you how did the, how did you get into this did you start with humans and then kind of evolve into dogs or did you no, start this
1: I started with dogs um but my dad uh he taught me about plants when I was little we had a, a farm and we never you know the veterinarian would come if a cow was stuck uh, you know um, but other than that we didn't do a lot of going to the veterinarian uh you know we were Poor farm folk. <laughs> so, um, and then my grandma, she raised um, 16 kids in the Great Depression. Wow. With, with a midwife, and that's about it. And, you know, I people have heard me speak before. You know, I always tell the story of my grandmother. Um, my mom would tell me my grandmother would go into the woods with this huge basket, and she would come back about five hours later, um, and then she would make all of this stuff, and that's what they would use. Um, and so, and all those kids grew up pretty healthy, which I, you know, um, a lot of them are still alive today, which is amazing. My mom's 93 and wow. So it's kind of in my blood, but I started, I studied Ayurveda in, um, in my middle twenties. I studied like Eastern medicine and Eastern religions in my, um, my stay, my stint at the university of Minnesota. And then, that didn't really resonate for me. I liked I liked the concepts, but I went back to my roots of Western herbalism uh, and the plants that I was kind of akin to. And those really resonate for me, and like the plants around me right now, or you know, in the United States and um, and Europe, uh, Ireland, Scotland, England, things like that. Um, you know, we share a lot of the same plants, and uh, so right when I was about thirty. I took it up again and I bought a property like 36 acre property and I just felt so at home with those plants. And I started it again and I, I did some hardcore rescue for a while and I had the first holistic pug dog rescue in the nation along with a, a, a dog trainer, holistic dog friend, trainer friend of mine. And um, we did that for six years. And during that time I started boarding dogs and kennel-free boarding on my farm. And it was so awesome. But I realized that dogs were getting just sick. Like people would hand me a bag of kibble and they'd hand me a bag of pharmaceuticals. And I was just like, what is happening here? Ugh. So, and, and the people didn't know what to do. Like my clients didn't know what to do. That, that's the only option they had. So I decided to take herbalism- and apply it to my business plan at that time with kennel-free boarding and the, the rescue pugs um, and started working with herbs and and figuring out protocols and how much and dosages and, and all of that stuff with just plain non-toxic herbs. And it kind of worked into a practice. And here I am many, many years later, over a decade later. And um, I started uh, in 2003... I started a little company called Farm Dog Naturals because my boarding company was called Almost Home Pet Farm and so I called my company Farm Dog and I started selling things locally and then I started selling my external remedies to all of my clients and then that worked into internal remedies and here I am. Oh, I love that. That's what a
0: great journey in life. I think that most people don't. I was telling you off camera, you know, that I my dream is to have a dog rescue, and I realize as I'm hitting, I'm about to hit fifty years old. I'm like, why have I not done this yet? Like, why have I not done the things that I want to do? And I just think that uh, that's incredible. So, do you find? I wanted to ask. Like, the first thing I thought of when I when Drake told me about you was, I really love and I, I hate to use the word placebo I, I think more of intention than I do placebo, but I really love the concept that when we treat animals they get and they get better there's no there's no placebo there, like they have no idea what's going on right like they have no idea we've put something in their water or we're I, I'm sure they could, to some degree they're comprehending that we are administering medicine. I mean, I talk to my dogs like my dogs and I I fully communicate with my dogs, and when humans tell me that they don't, I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry you don't have that gift." (laughs) I my dogs tell me what's up, and so my like my dog Sansa, she has a bad knee, and she allows me to inject her. I do my background is in regenerative injection therapy. She just lays there and lets me treat her with needles, and it's it's amazing. And all my dogs really have allowed me to do that. So I think they know we're helping them. So there's obviously some there's some impact there of healing. And when you're a healer and you put your hands on a creature, of course, hopefully you instill that. But the coolest thing about herbs and and homeopathy and a lot of these other remedies when humans say, oh, that doesn't work or they try to dismiss it. It's like, well, it works great on dogs and kids. And they don't, you know, they often don't have a clue what's going on. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I I completely agree. I do think there is some human transference as far as the vibration that we share with our animals and the intention. If you have a very good relationship with your dog, there is some, you know, chatter about like the human placebo mapping onto your animal. However, I have been through more instances that I can count with homeopathy and herbal medicine uh, in material dosages for herbal medicine and homeopathy in general. Um, where its immediate effect, like, you know, for instance, just recently, I was in California with my pug, um, uh, Fig, and Fig has had her eye removed in the last uh, two years, and her nervous system is a little, is a little, well, I'd say she has some nervous system weakness, and we, we, My friend had like a daycare boarding grooming facility in uh, San Diego. No, sorry, Newport Beach. And um, we brought her in there because I was speaking uh, at a conference and my Figgy was going to stay with my friend's two dogs in a private room of her own while I was at the hotel because I didn't want to stress her out. Well, she walked into that facility, she was fine. Her tail went down and I was like, hmm, and then we i was going to bring her to show her the room and she stopped dropped and has a, had a first seizure she's ever had oh and we picked her up right away and brought her out into the reception room and i said to my friend i said did you do you have any adored beast go to it's a homeopathic for fear and it's like a kind of like when you're in doubt use this remedy it's uh arnica and aconite And and so she said, yeah, I grabbed it off the shelf. My dog was fully seizing. I squirted three squirts into her mouth and literally three to four seconds later, it was done. And the interesting thing is, of course, we put her in the car. We were on our way to the emergency vet and her tail came up, her pink returned to her tongue and she was like, what are we doing? (laughs)
2: <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't even
1: get out of we couldn't even get out of the parking lot. So we were like, okay, one, she's not staying here, obviously. She's afraid of big dogs because a big dog took out took her eye out. Oh well, like hit her eye with her teeth. He didn't like bite it out. I don't want to put those horrible images, but we had to remove the eye. But there's a lot of one-eyed pugs out there. So, you know, lots of them. But like, um, I checked with four of the vets that were speaking at the conference with me. They all agreed it was a one-off seizure, that it was from fear, and her nervous system was overloaded. And that homeopathic remedy worked specifically on fear and um, kind of acute inflammation. And it was a lifesaver, and it was... It worked so quickly. It had I was hysterical. So it had nothing to do with my transference onto her. I'll tell you that. Like I I stayed, like I let my partner just take her because I stayed and had to do some <laughs> had to do some deep breathing to get myself together before I got in the car with her. And um yeah, it was amazing. And I've had that that type of thing happen with herbal and homeopathic medicine over and over and over again.
0: It's yeah, it really does. It every time I've treated my pets, they it's I'm always. In fact, I did not believe in homeopathy until I saw it work so well on my dogs. And I was like, okay, there's <laughs> there's something here. This is not this is not just, you know, placebo. Something's going on here and I've become a believer through that. So, what are your thoughts on Drake told me to definitely ask you, your thoughts on kibble? And feeding dogs kibble versus preparing either cooked or raw. I'd love to hear what you think about that.
1: Well, um, there's a, I mean, that's, that's like a three hour conversation, but there's a really (laughs) great uh, documentary on Netflix right now called the history of food and it covers dog food. So anyone should look at that and how dog food came about out of convenience and, you know, out of world wars and, it was never meant to be and so we have grown so accustomed to just grabbing a bag and giving it our dog but it's literally like feeding mcdonald's every single day one of the things like when i was growing up i had a dog named susie she lived between 24 and 26 years of age it's kind of a a thing in my family wow we're positive about 24 but not positive about 26 you know people have different memories but you know, she was always there. She was there before I was born. She was there when I went to college. You know, she she was always there. And she did not eat kibble. She ate raw milk from our cows, scraps from our food, and that's it. And she forged. She, and she ate wild ant, like she ate bunnies, which, you know, is, is sad. But she did eat like things that she caught and uh, not all of it, but, you know, to be gross, some of it, it was interesting. Like we had never given her kibble and she just ate what we ate. And of course we ate really, we ate really well. We grew all of our own vegetables and things. And she just, you know, ate what she wanted to eat. And we never even thought about it. She was always good weight. Um, she wasn't, she wasn't spayed. She had, of course, she had a litter of puppies. She wasn't vaccinated. I think she was vaccinated once for rabies. Um, and that's when she was, I think over 10 years of age, but she just, I mean, you know, it's kind of how we did it on the farm. Right. You know, so again, we were not wealthy farmers. We were, you know, we ate what we grew and we used our animals and we cared for our animals and I had horses and everything come out my ears. I love that life. But uh, with kibble in general, I have I fed kibble to my dogs in the past? Yes, I have. I stopped doing that when I was about 24 and I'm 52 now. So um, I have fed fed kibble. I did feed kibble for a while when I moved to Tennessee because um, the food that I had been feeding then was not available. And so I grabbed some, I knew nothing about kibble. I grabbed some Purina with yogurt and it was this beautiful bag, and there was cascading like meat and vegetables down the bag. <laughs> and I thought I was doing a good good service. But the interesting thing is, my dog Finbar, who was a pug, kept getting pneumonia, and we had to keep giving him steroids. And he would be at the vet probably once every like one to three months. We would be at the vet, and he kept getting pneumonia and pneumonia. And I said, you know, there's got to be a better way. You know, I take care of myself this way. How do I? do this with my dog. And then, you know, I remembered what we did when we were kids. And when I was in Minneapolis, I had a Rottweiler and I fed her a food called Sojos, which it was, it's like this little pack. It, it's a big company now, but it was this little pack of like grains and veg, dehydrated veggies. And then you add meat to it, right? And I gave her that. But when we moved to Tennessee, it was just, you know, you just move there. It's crazy, you know, all that stuff. So I, I, went to the grocery store and got this Prina. And as soon as we took Finbar off the kibble, he never went back to the vet again until he was uh, old as far as never had another case of pneumonia. I started him out on, we moved to a high end kibble, which helped a lot. And then we moved him to a free stride. And then we moved him to, to raw and Dogs are, dogs have very acidic stomachs and people worry about pathogens and things like that. There are more pathogens, there are tons of pathogens in kibble. And for those of you that are of the scientific mind, um, there's a wonderful book called Feeding Dogs by Dr. Connor Brady. Absolutely wonder, a wonderful uh, book. Connor Brady has a uh, group called Dogs First. It's a website and he has a wonderful documentary or, or kind of, kind of like a a master class on the history of dog food and what dog food is actually made out of and stuff. And it's a, it's an eye opener. I've known it for a long time, but do, uh, Dr. Brady really puts it together. Well, and kibble, kibble puts a, a big burden on the body. It puts yep. a burden on the liver. It puts a burden on the pancreas. It is very hard on the kidneys. Uh, kibble is one of the reasons why our cats die of kidney disease it robs moisture from the body because it needs so much moisture. And a lot of dogs don't drink enough when they eat kibble and we're not mm-hmm. hydrating the kibble. Actually, we're told not to hydrate it, which in my opinion is not true. Dogs need to drink an enormous, enormous amount of water to deal with the kibble in their body. And if the water's not there, it will steal it from other areas of the body. So it causes dryness. And sometimes it can cause what's called dampness, which is an overabundant of moisture imbalances in the body that cause things like lipomas and cysts and sebaceous cysts. And some dogs are more prone to dampness than others. But if you are feeding kibble, if if you just can't feed a, a minimally processed diet, like a minimally processed diet includes things like home-cooked food, raw food, freeze-dried food, dehydrated food. If you can't do a minimally processed diet, then make sure that you up the nutrition in the bowl. There's a wonderful book by Dr. Karen Becker and Rodney Habib, who is a researcher, called The Forever Dog. And that is a really good primer to help educate yourself. It has They have so many research papers and references on their website of the forever dog they're just they're now coming out with a book called the forever dog i think it's lifestyle or life it has recipes and different types of things that you can do with your dog and i think for kibble feeders they get overwhelmed you hear a lot from veterinarians that it's not good for your dog but if you look up if you turn your kibble bag over and look up every single one of those ingredients you are going to be mortified Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and especially in, even in some of the most expensive dog foods like Science Diet, it really is a chemical diet. Yep. And it's um, terrible. Yes. And so um and it you know, and the, the conversation about kibble can get really nasty and we're just talking about feeding dogs real food. And yes, you need to feed them a balanced diet, but there's so many resources out there like the Feed Real Institute is wonderful, A Dogs Naturally magazine. Uh, Dr. Judy Morgan is a huge advocate for um, raw feeding. She has wonderful resources on her website. Um, Dr. Odette Suter, Dr. Barry Sands, Dr. Katie Kangas, you know, a whole slew of... Dr. Peter DeBias, um, he has a lovely website with great supplements. I mean, there's just so many resources out there now. Um, There's a woman who just writes kind of how she takes care of her dogs. Her name's Kimberly Gautier. She's in Seattle, Washington. She has some books on Amazon that are for beginners. And um, so there's just a lot of resources. But if, you know, I have a bag of kibble ready for like an earthquake or an emergency. It's a high-end bag of kibble. But other than that, you know, I feed my dogs a minimally processed diet. Uh, We do some cooked, we do some raw, and we do some freeze-dried, depending on my dogs. My little dogs eat raw and freeze-dried. My big dogs eat raw, and um, my old dog eats cooked.
0: The middle-aged middle is no joke. And so I recently reached out to NutriSense about their subscription program utilizing their biosensor to have a look at what my blood sugar was doing in response to the foods I was eating. I noticed that certain foods eaten at certain times of day along with stress and sleep disruption all caused all kinds of aberrations to my blood sugar. It was very insightful and after a month long, I have been able to shed some of that fluff on my tummy. When you embark on a one month subscription with NutriSense, you can save $30 by using code DrTina30 at checkout. You're gonna wanna use the link in the show notes to get there and put that coupon code in at checkout. Get yourself a couple months subscription if you can. I think it's gonna give you insightful information that might just change your life. Each subscription comes with access to their expert dietitians, who will help you interpret the data on the very cool app that comes along with it. And the information you're going to glean from this will truly be life-changing. Have you been looking for an in-home infrared sauna? Look no further. I've done the research for you and I found the one. My sauna of choice is by Sunlighten. They've got 23 years in the business. Their quality is unmatched. They are directly involved with each unit from production, process, start to finish. Their heater quality, it's like surround sound of infrared heat. It feels delicious, and not all infrared heat is the same. They've got ultra-low EMFs. I know you guys ask about that a lot. It is third-party tested and proven. They've got options for everyone, from portable units to walk-in box saunas. You can save up to $600 off your purchase right now when you use the link in the show notes and you mention my name, Dr. Tina. I hope you enjoy your new sauna. It's the best biohacking tool I can think of for walking into winter. Let's back up a second because you just shared so much there. Yeah. Anybody who needs to, anyone who's, who, who is trying to get started on this, my first advice always, and the same with humans, is like, go educate yourself on what's in the dog food because you'll be horrified. Like you said, it's horrifying. And I remember learning about this a couple decades ago and just being like, oh my God, I can't believe this is what we're feeding them, especially the low, the, you know, the very inexpensive products. I mean, it's just basically the, the just the crud dehydrated into a, you know, and, and hyper cooked into a kibble. I don't even Think humans should be eating cereal? I tell humans no. like cereal is human kibble. You know, <laughs> do, not, no. do not put that in your body. So that that's step one to really understand. And then, like you said, baby steps. And and I love that you just mentioned the different types of foods you're feeding your different dogs because a big concern that I've had with big dogs is it be, it can become cost prohibitive. But then again, as they age, how long do you want them to live? What kind of quality of life do you want to give them? You know, the littler dogs, we could probably be a little, you know, fancier and, and do more something that would maybe cost a bit more because they're eating much less. And like you mentioned about your dog out on the farm, my husband was raised exactly the same way out here and they were not rich farmers and they raised their own livestock and they, process their own livestock here on the the premises and they, you know, grew their food and their dogs were always living these beautiful, wonderful, long lives and usually got taken out by either an accident or, you know, wandering out on the road and they're kind of older age, sad things like that, but- Or wildlife. um, Yeah. (laughs) My dog here, uh, Sansa, was my rescue. And this is, I just share the story because you'll appreciate it. I got her- She was one of those dogs they brought up from California with the Oregon Humane Society, that that deal they have, which I think is awesome. But again, it it puts a huge load on the dogs. And she was, you know, slam full of all the things was spayed everything happened all at once and when i went to get her from the rescue she was so skinny and so covered in skin lesions she was a mess and they said are you sure you want her she almost died the other day while she was being spayed like she's not coming out of this and i was like this is my bag like i'm a naturopath give me the <laughs> give me the dog with a messed up gut and skin i can <laughs> and i brought her home to my apartment in portland and she th- was really thriving and we were healing her up, but she just wasn't quite right. And then I figured out she was a Carolina dog and those dogs are like half, I mean, Carolina dogs are like, do you know about Carolina dogs? They're indigenous to the United States and they are half wild. Like they are truly, I mean, there's still packs of them wandering around the Carolinas in the forest. And so a lot of dogs in the U S it's the American dingo. Some have heard them referred to the American dingo or the yellow dog. Um, Anyway, she's got a lot of Carolina dog in her and she's just kind of weirded out by humans. And so living in the city was not good. We got her out here on the farm and she just bloomed. I mean, she thickened up, she got muscular she immediately started hunting all the field mice <laughs> she is an expert hunter she loves it every time the rains come or they plow the fields she's out there and it's so amazing to see her just be in her natural more natural state you know i mean she's she lives the cushy life inside on her cushy bed and keeps warm in here but man it's so amazing to see i'd never had a dog that just she just roams free you know she comes back through a doggy door when she wants and she has such a great life life out here. And I'd always had dogs in the suburbs or in backyards or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But man, just to see her kind of like be a dog has been so cool. And she'll, the thing about dogs is they'll fast themselves when they don't feel good. You know, they'll, they'll, they treat themselves, they, they just know, they instinctually know how to handle their gut. They rest their gut when their gut's overloaded or when they're not feeling great. And we as humans, I think have just, we've gotten so screwed up in our own healthcare that I think we've done a number on our dogs. Like we've really screwed up our dogs along the path with the hyper-processed, ultra-processed foods, the lack of exercise, the lack of outdoor, just all of it, you know, and we're sitting here as like a majorly diabetic country. And now we've got diabetic dogs and look to the food, right? Like a lot of it's
1: lifestyle, but like, look at the food. It's, it's a train wreck. Food, water, food, water, and air quality are huge. You know, like, you know, dogs that spend more time outside, not telling you to put your dog outside. So Everyone simmered down. But um, <laughs> I'm saying that, you know, giving your dog access to fresh air regularly is super important. Making sure your air is as clean as possible inside. I like the air doctor a lot. Um, there's this, um, I'm doing this lung clinic tonight and with people and I was just writing up, you know, things to say. And I love this. Uh, there's this Danish company that has this little bird and it's called Birdie. It was called Canary, but now it's called Birdie. And I have it in my main area of my house. I want to get one more for my working space, but it basically sits on your wall and the little bird is up when the air quality is good. And then it just falls upside down when the air quality goes downward. Wow! it is so great because we have this thing in our house. We're like, birds down, birds down, open the windows. (laughs) And it's to tell you when to open your windows. And the thing, the interesting thing- is I have two air doctors that run and they work really well. I I definitely have seen a difference since I started using them, but they still can't get the bird to go up like the open windows can. And we yep. open the windows and the birdie goes up and she stays up. And, you know, we just check her and I, you know, I've never seen her move before. So, I, I mean, she moves and I, I've never seen it, but she goes up and down and, and we're like, oh, birds down, we'll get up, birds down. <laughs> and it really helps us be mindful of the air quality in the room and in our house. And outside air, yes, there's pollution for sure, but it's nothing like the inside air of your house. And then, you know, you have your water quality. Um, The water quality is so important, you know, to get away from... Plastic water bottles. uh, They, you know, water, plastic water is crap water. A lot of it's just filtered water. There's not a good, there's not good regulations around what you can put on a water bottle. Um, And to filter your water for your dogs and yourselves, um, there's some really good companies out there. One of my favorites is a company called Hydroviv. And they actually use the environmental working groups information on water in your area. So you actually put your zip code in and they send you a specific filter for your area for what your area has if you're on municipal water supply. And, and then there's another, there's a pitcher called clearly filtered that filters out chlorine fluoride. Those are really important things to filter out. Plus, you know, there's viruses and bacteria and pathogens and, and spores, and you know, so many things are in our water, there's hardly any clean water sources left. So, we really need to be mindful of filtering our water for our dogs and ourselves.
0: Absolutely. It's funny, we use Aqua True, and I got my mom one and my daughter one. And um, my mom has a little Boston Terrier who never drank much water, and she's just, she's always been a little, I, I think. I think the Boston's are so inbred at this point. I think she's dealing with some of that. But anyway, sweet little dog. And after my, I got my mom the aqua true. The dog loves the water, and she drinks water incessantly. And she goes over to the filter and it was like, like lets my mom know that she wants her water. Yeah, <laughs> I want my water. It's, I I filter I yeah I give all my dogs filtered water and I I fully subscribe to that and as, as as well as having air doctors in all my rooms of my house too and people don't consider that and basically what I tell people is like whatever you know a lot of folks I think right now are with the advent of social media and and these podcasts you know a lot of this information is available you know and so people are really learning and unlearning some of the things that they kind of took as standard and I just want to say that whatever's good for the human is good for the dog, right? We're just fancy mammals with opposable thumbs. Like it's all the same, same, same. So if we are filtering our air and our water, we got to filter our dog's air and our dog's water. And um, uh, to add to that conversation about the air filters, dogs, you know, we're not supposed to wear our shoes in our house because it tracks in a lot of pollution and a lot of toxins. And I would, say the same with dogs' feet. <laughs> you know, they're out there getting it on their feet, bringing it back in on their little furry paws. So I wipe my dog's feet down. Uh, I got my air filter going. You know, we do the best we can. It's always, you know, we everyone's got to do the best they can. But it it is, it's so vitally important. And, and dogs get all kinds of diseases that are due to just chronic I mean, I've seen asthma in dogs. I've seen, you know, all kinds of conditions that we think are human. And while we are giving dogs a lot of our human problems with the food, again, and with the, just the toxicity of the world and with lifestyle, um, it's so funny when I read about, because I, I don't know, I follow a lot of, I follow a lot of those veterinarians you mentioned. And it's so funny how people act so surprised. And I'm like, how, 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 how are we different?
1: <laughs> We're all mammals.
0: <laughs> yeah, right?
1: it's, it, it's true. It, absolutely. And, you know, I think, and especially with the water, I think people get, and, and this is a, not a negative connotation, but like kind of lazy. I, I, I Like when I talk to people, they're like, oh God, I'm just hoping my water's good. You know, I, I just hope that it's good. I, I just, you know, I just can't take anymore, And I just, I'm just exhausted with all of it. And I'm just hoping that it's good. And the issue is, is that, we drink so much water every day it we drink more water than we eat food and our wa- our a lot of our food has our water in it as well and so you know it's just kind of like where does your produce come from where you know what kind of water is used to to do to make your food as well in your house or out of your house so I think water is one of the most important things we can do for ourselves and our cells and our cellular structure and our elimination and like if you know back to kibble like if you 're feeding kibble, you really need to to use a digestive enzyme uh, all all kibble feeders and cooked food feeders need to give digestive enzymes because uh, your dog does not have enough enzymes to break down that food. And that's where you're going to get food sensitivities and, and higher allergens. And you're going to put more pressure on the liver because when food doesn't break down and then you can get undigested proteins in the small intestine, then you're going to get, you know, barrier problems and barrier weakness where there's antigens, which caused the immune system to react um, going over into, through the bloodstream and, And, you know, and then we could talk about the lymphatics. People never talk about the lymphatics. We should be shouting about the lymphatics at the rooftop. Um, It's one of our most important systems in our body, and nine out of ten people don't even know what it is. They always think about cancer and women who have lymph nodes removed when they have breast cancer. Like, that's the answer I get from most people when I ask them what the lymphatics is. I don't know. Is it something, something about breast cancer? It is you know, it is from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet or from the front of the snout to the tip, like almost to the tip of the tail, halfway through the tail, you know, and it looks like the nervous system and it's a system where your body transports fats and it also transports toxins. And the interesting and most wonderful thing about the lymphatics is it's responsible for vitamin D absorption and Mm -hmm. vitamin D is what fights disease and viruses. And, you know, like this time of year, respiratory viruses and cancer. Most people who have cancer are low in vitamin D. Uh, I'm a cancer survivor and I will tell you my vitamin D was 18% when I uh, acquired cancer. And it. I was like, and that was a wake-up call for vitamin D in general. I thought my vitamin D... Sh- should have been fine. I spent a lot of time outside. And dogs' vitamin D can get very, very low. Yeah, And and so, it's... And it can also be too high depending on what kind of food and what kind of supplementation they're giving in the food. So, it's always good to get your dog's vitamin D and D levels checked. Um, It's I think it's... Like, if someone asked me, what's the one thing you could do to help your... To know if your dog is healthy or... Kind of a precursor to health, I would say check your vitamin D levels. Yeah. My vet at, looked at me like I was, I was, I don't know, it was probably 15 years
0: ago. I asked her to run the vitamin D on my dog, my old, my aging dog. And <laughs> she looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, Yo, it's important. This was a lot. I mean, gosh, I remember a doctor coming into our grand rounds in medical school, in naturopathic medical school in, I don't know, 2007 talking about vitamin D and nobody was talking about it then. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is huge. And, You know, he got a lot of pushback, and it didn't really catch on for a bit. But I think you're right. I I have a question for you. So we make our vitamin D from the sun hitting the cholesterol in our skin, and it is absorbed. It's really a hormone. It's not a vitamin, and it it is absorbed that way, right? And then, like you said, the lymphatics are involved. Um, And so I always tell people after you've been out in the sun skin exposure don't go shower off for a couple hours cuz we want that conversion to happen as best we can i mean that's theoretical but you know like we want we want those fatty acids we want all of that to move in and i have been since 2007 when i learned about vitamin d and i learned about this i thought well how do dogs make vitamin d right is it the cholesterol in their fur that they're licking off like how do they actually synthesize vitamin d i don't know do you know
1: they make their own Oh, okay. But so they, they don't make enough. En- en- yes, they don't make enough. Hmm. Okay, and and I can't answer the question as of why, um, but their vitamin D levels can be low, and I'm sure it's lifestyle.
0: Oh yeah, of course. you know it's I'm it's sure. from
1: being domesticated. I'm, I'm you know I could probably put money on that, but I do not have the verbiage for that. Um, you know as as an herbalist, I'm not a veterinarian. So I don't deal directly with disease. I deal mm-hmm. with balancing the ecosystem of the body. So, you know, um, but I do deal with a lot of diagnostics where, uh, you know, people will go see their veterinarian and then they'll bring the diagnostic back to me and okay. So the vitamin D is low, definitely know how to raise it. Um, yes. but they do make some of their own vitamin D. It's so
0: interesting. I, I wonder how they synthesize it. I'm, I'm going to keep looking. I don't know if anyone's... I mean, maybe it's been addressed since then. And I just haven't been looking, but I, it's so crazy. I And I wonder too, you know, in humans, when you have dark skin, you make less vitamin D. And it's, you know, so we find that African-Americans and, and people of color, uh, at least in the United States, I don't know about statistics worldwide, but in the United States have lower vitamin D levels. And because the melanin protects their skin and it it slows conversion. And then also another factor is, like you said, domestication. I think a lot of it comes down to also when, when we have inflammation, in, in just so you guys know about humans, I know you know, Rita, but in humans, if you have inflammation, you can't absorb your D very well. And so it's kind of this vicious cycle where folks, and uh, especially when there's excess you know, fillage of the adipocytes, they that also can blunt the conversion. And so we end up in a situation where people are pounding vitamin D and it's not necessarily being absorbed because perhaps they have some underlying inflammation or something else going on. And I would gander the same thing in dogs, you know, we're probably dealing with uh, yeah, a similar- Inflammation
1: and, and stress and inflammation are huge, two huge factors for everything. And, uh, you know, and, and some people aren't taking- the vitamin D the right way. I mean, you know, they take it just as D and it needs to have K and it's especially great if you can have some A. Um, yeah. So a lot of people will just, you know, go get the bottom of the barrel Walmart vitamin D and think they're doing this great thing and hardly anything is being absorbed or but utilized. they're not taking
0: it. Yeah. They're not taking it with fat. That's really important too. So whether you take it yourself or with your, or give it to your dog, it needs to be with fat so it can deliver because it's fat soluble. Well, it's a hormone. Yeah. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, (laughs) speaking of stress, I often wonder about transference and I, I love what you said. You know, I don't deal with disease. I deal with the ecosystem and and balancing it. That's really the premise too of naturopathic medicine. Like we're not treating disease. We're treating people. We're trying to figure out why homeostasis is out of whack. And that doesn't always transfer very well on social media or on podcasts because people want an answer or a pill for yes. a, a condition. And I'm like, I'm not treating conditions. I'm, I, I'm treating a person. So my answer is always, it depends. And people don't like that on social media. They want something polarizing and definitive. And I'm like, yo, it depends on the person. I mean, my husband and I, I do not get to live and eat the same way and have the same outcomes there's just no way around that you know and I think it's the same for dogs and different dog breeds uh, I think all different breeds are probably different sizes whatever but anyway all that to say I feel like stress impacts all of us uh, terribly and I feel like humans and I've been guilty of this you know um I'm, I'm pretty quick to see when my dog doesn't like something or any dog for that matter. I'll walk by and I'll see a dog, I'll see a human trying to approach a dog. And I'm like, that dog doesn't like that, you know? And I, and it's not any specific behavior. I'm just vibing that the dog does not like that. And I see this often with really stressed out humans and their dogs, or they're like putting their stress on their dog. They're, they're, I know petting your dog can be very therapeutic, but sometimes if I'm really wigged out and my nervous system's shaky, I'm I don't get near my dogs cuz I don't want to put it on them, you know? I'm like, I don't want to transfer this onto my dog and I saw this with a when I was in naturopathic school, we had the bookstore, the lady who ran the bookstore had a therapy dog. A beautiful dog. She brought this dog in every single day and all of us stressed out medical students would go sit with the dog and pet the dog and then the dog suddenly died and I was like I think all the students' stress killed that poor dog. I think we just put so much upon this poor dog, and I wonder if humans were to better mitigate their stress, if we wouldn't see more health and vitality in our in our pets. I don't know. I'm just kind of brainstorming here, but what do you what are your thoughts around this?
1: Um, absolutely, uh, like I said, you know, if you go to the HeartMath Institute, there is some really great information about how we share our our world with other people, like our heart vibration goes out six to eight feet from our body. And it's kind of like, be careful who your friends are. Um, yeah. Because people who stress you out are literally stressing you out uh, with their resonance. And so our dogs are our mirrors. Our dogs share all of our stress. And the the interesting thing is that they smell it. Uh, you know, and it's kind of like horses, you know, Horses can smell fear a mile away and so can dogs and your dogs know when you're in fight or flight. You know, one of the biggest sources of, of, of switching yourself into sympathetic, which is your fight or flight mechanism, the sympathetic nervous system is your phone. You know, all those beeps, whistles, email noises, everything, social media, they have proven when someone is on social media and scrolling, you are actually in a fight or flight state. Um, Your body doesn't know the difference, just like your body doesn't know the difference of what TV program you're using. Like if you're watching a very violent show, you are in fight or flight. It may Mm -hmm. feel good to you because you're building up adrenaline, but the problem is, is your body doesn't know the difference. And your dog can smell that. And you'll see some dogs will go over to owners trying to comfort them. Yep. Um, a lot of people share anxiety with their pets. um I have a lot of uh, clients that share the exact same diseases with their animals. Um, it is it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people want to take that on and understand that, yes, your inability to deal with stress is also affecting your dog. And um, and it's not just like, you know, it's not just woo-woo anymore. There are scientific studies that are hardcore and accurate on, hey, I really think that this is a thing because our heart energy depicts the rest of our entire health. There was this wonderful uh, herbalist um, who recently passed away, his name's Doc, uh, Doc, uh, Stephen Buner. And Stephen Buhner wrote how and studied how if you balance out the cardiac muscle and the heart energy, the rest of the body falls into place. And that really makes sense because of the fact of its interaction with the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. Parasympathetic is your rest and relax. And when you're in sympathetic excess or your dog, They can't detoxify well. They can't digest anything. You get gastrointestinal upset. Um, Their pancreas uh, enzymes wane. Their spleen is affected. Um, And the spleen is a huge part of the immune system. The thalamus gets weaker. These are all things that, because every, when you're in fight or flight, everything goes to the musculature. And the cardiac system, and it overburdens it, and it puts pressure on it, and it's meant to be really quick. But now with stress and all of these different electronics, and people, people keeping track of everything now, like now we have aura rings, and we have you know uh, iPhone watches, and and everything is putting you on alert, and we're not meant for that. And also yeah. like, you know, literally the news cycle, we're not meant to take on the world's entire problems right now. Our, our bodies aren't meant for it. We really need to focus. And the interesting thing is it's, you know, it's new science and it's old. There was a lovely Native American healer named Tismal Crow, and he said that, um, we believe that the domestic animals were sent here to accept the diseases of humans and to show them how to heal themselves. Aww. And that was a long time ago. And I truly believe that. I, I truly, you know, I'm a traditional herbalist and um, I love science, but I'm also very traditional and anecdotal and in the field medicine. And um, I can, you know, I'm one of my goals as a human in my profession is to bring integrative, true integrative medicine into veterinary practices, where vets are learning about herbs according to plant language, and then pharmaceuticals according to pharmaceutical language. Which a lot of herbs now are 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 just used according to pharmaceutical principles mm-hmm. when they actually have their own language, and um, and herbs work on the entire being. And that equals that mind, body, spirit. And a lot of people can't have a hard time accepting mind, body, spirit. But but it is a, I mean, for me, it's a factual kind of foundation in which to work on ourselves and our dogs because we're emotional beings. I mean, it's kind of like how flower essences work, which have been around for a very long time. And they work slowly and on the emotional being because that emotional psychosomatic Effect that our emotions have on our physical being is scientifically documented uh, and anecdotally documented every single day. Um, and to boil it down, a lot of us need to get our shit together. <laughs> yep. Do you know what I mean. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and you're in the right. You're in the right podcast yeah, to say that. <laughs> in, in 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 getting our. And having a plan instead of reacting, you know, working from a preventative mindset instead of working from let's wait till it happens and then freak out and then make all our choices from a, a place of fear.
0: Yeah, yeah, Oh, it's funny that you mentioned the flower essences. I I use a company that my friend Katie has started called Lotus Way and they smell lovely, but she really is just hiding the flower essence magic inside the nicely scented, you know, spray. And I spray myself down every day and I spray my dogs down every day. And both of them now, even the puppy, they both just lift their, they know, they just lift their heads up and they let me... <laughs> Let me give them. But flower essences is another lovely thing to add to the water that I've used for decades, you know, for my dogs and uh, especially for stress when I'm, because you're so right. I mean, when I when I was stressed out of my mind going to two medical schools at the same time, my dogs really took the brunt of that for sure. As far as like their health, I could see it was not, I mean, there was like a neurosis developing in in one of them in particular. And I was like, man, this is my, This is my doing. My energy is directly impacting that. My daughter has a little pug. Uh, He's so cute. He's a little pug, chihuahua mix, a little, and a skipper key. He's got his cute little black, funny little thing. And, um, he has ulcerative colitis and it acts up every time her life goes sideways. Every time she's really stressed out, that dog's ulcerative colitis goes into full effect. And I always have to remind her, I'm like, you need to step back and where's your energy? You know, where's your energy at? How are you feeling? What can we do to help you and support you so that poor little Buddha can not take it all on? Cause he's so, some, sometimes we're so connected to our dogs and, uh, my, you mentioned electronics. My dog will come up Sansa, the the Carolina dog, she'll just come up and like butt the phone out of my hand. <laughs> yeah, just literally, get it out of your hand. She, she butts it out of my hand and goes, mm, and that means walk. Like we need to go outside or she'll come up while I'm on the computer and she can see me getting stressed out if I'm dealing with something and she'll just come up and like, she does a lot of head, you know, nose butting and she'll just nose butt me like this and then she'll run to the door and make a little, you know, squeal like, hey, let's go outside. Let's go for a walk. She full on knows. I've like hit my capacity for handling whatever it is I'm doing. And so I, I feel like you say they're mirrors and I totally agree, but they're also our guides if we would listen. You oh know? yeah, absolutely.
1: They,
0: Ep- they really- Absolutely. And, and we evolved as human beings with canines. Like that is how we evolved. And they- they're the only predator besides us that has the white behind their eyes. So we communicate visually with one another. That's how they hunt. That's how they used to hunt. And without words, right? Like the pack of dogs could run down the big animal that the humans couldn't, but the humans could take the animal down that the dogs couldn't, you know? And we have lost that. I feel like we've lost our way with animals in general. I I have always said like our symbiotic relationships with the animals of this planet are, uh, the, the fact that we've lost that is going to be our demise as a species if we don't get our act together. It's not about veganism. It's not about vegetarianism. In fact, you'll find hunters that like in Africa that track animals for Weeks on end, and they claim that the animals communicating with them and telling them to follow them and and take them down. So, like, there's so much that we don't appreciate. I think in our modern world, and our animals are, especially dogs. I know cats can be too. And my, whenever I, whenever I step out of line and say anything about cats, all my followers melt down on me. So I'm not saying anything bad about cats. <laughs> I dare mention that cats carry toxoplasmosis, and like the internet explodes on me. <laughs> so. Anyway, I think that dogs in particular though make really phenomenal companions and if we would listen to them, they tell us, right? They tell us what's wrong with them, they tell us what's wrong with us. It's pretty it's a pretty cool symbiotic relationship. So we've covered a few things that I think are really helpful for people. And I think a lot of my listeners are probably doing a lot of those things for themselves. So they'll really appreciate hearing that they can implement those strategies for their pets as well. What And their dogs in particular. What else is there that you would leave, especially, you know, walking into cold and flu, or we're kind of in the thick of cold and flu season right now. Um, how can we support our dog's immune system, maybe with herbs? Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think is really critical that people know?
1: I always try to get on my... Soapbox of energetics. Um, you know, plants are individuals and people are individuals. And like you said, you know, your your husband and you can't eat the same way. And that is for sure um something to consider. Uh I think learning about energetics and uh like warm, cool, damp, dry um is very important, especially the warm and cool component, because you know, I think all of us have like a supplement graveyard in our uh, you know, at-home apothecary because you purchase an herb or purchase a supplement that doesn't work for you. Well, it's probably energetically inappropriate. And, you know, like let's just use turmeric, you know, turmeric this, turmeric that, turmeric's awesome. It is awesome. It 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 works with inflammation. It can help with pain, but it doesn't work for people or dogs that are too warm. Uh, it ah, actually yes. causes problems. It causes lethargy. It causes inflammation when used non-acutely. Okay. Anything can be used acutely, but, um, and, but when you're using it long-term, you have to look at a plant's energetics. So I definitely would look into that, um, and start learning your dog's energetics. I have a course on my canine herbalism platform.com, uh, called canine energetics. And that one has really changed a lot of people's lives. I mean, I know that when I discovered energetics of plants in general, I mean, that's not something my dad ever taught me. But when I discovered about plant language and plant energetics and how they speak as individuals, my practice just blew up. I mean, it, it, I got so much uh, more clear on how to help my clients and why certain protocols weren't working and why people get frustrated with herbs. Um, because a lot of times we're not using the herbs for our own physical energetics. There's cooling herbs and there's warming herbs. There's herbs that add dampness. There's herbs that are like moisturizing. There's herbs that are drying. A lot of herbs are drying overall in the long-term use. Um there's herbs that can cause the kidney, you know, your dog to pee more. And people are like, oh, my dog started peeing more, but they're not putting it together with the herb that they started in a supplement that they purchased, you know. So my advice is to get to know the herbs. Get to know the herbs. And the, one of the best ways that you can do this is if you're Googling, you just don't Google, like you don't take herbal advice from something like WebMD. OK, you know, you just don't. Um, You look up the herb's name. I always look up the Latin name and then look up the word monograph. And you'll find like a resume for an herb and make sure it's written by an herbalist. Um, I have on my canineherbalism.com website, I have a service called um, Monthly Monographs where I deal intensively with one herb a month. And I give you the energetics and everything that you've ever wanted to know, including dosages and different ways to use the herb with your dog. It's dog-centered. It's not human-centered. And if you want human-centered monographs, a lovely website to go to is Evolutionary Herbalism from Sage of Popham. He has a lovely uh, monograph section in his website that gives you everything that you need to know about a plant. Um, And... You know, take the time to understand the plants that you're giving your dog or yourself. A lot of people don't do that. And a lot of formulas are either kind of centered on warming or cooling. And so you want to know that. During this time of... Like lung transition, we're in lung time right now until about December twenty first, and then we go into kidney and uh, kidneys and the musculoskeletal system during deep winter. But still, the lungs are a component of winter in general. Um, I like to use medicinal mushrooms, so you know, I like to, for for more for people or dogs that are just more warm. Um, I'm a warm person. Uh, you know, I've been taking my sweatshirt on and off, on and off. Um, <laughs> you know i like my taki and turkey tail and oyster and um chaga mushroom i only use chaga uh i use chaga from realmushrooms.com because it's not taken off of wild birch trees but um i use chaga in you know dire dire problems uh, unless i know exactly where it comes from because it 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 people are you know causing over-harvesting of of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not really a mushroom. It's more of a mycelium, but they are causing, they're being over-harvested. But, and then more, and then more cooling dogs. um, I love reishi. And reishi can be given to dogs that are warm as well. Just include it in other, like cooling mushrooms, like maitake or turkey tail. But um, I love reishi mushroom or artist conch, which is kind of like red reishi. Um, And... uh, Cordyceps, but uh, cordyceps is a lovely mushroom for this time of year. It warms the core. It keeps, you know, it adds heat. It's very, it's very hot mushroom, but also know that it's very stimulating. So some dogs can't handle it. They get behavioral issues on it. So you want to keep an eye out for that. Um, Shiitake is always a good kind of synergizer. Uh, it's synergistic with other mushrooms. A lot of um, mushroom companies, you want to make sure that you're taking hot water extracted mushrooms or Mm -hmm. double extracted tinctures. You just don't want to have ground mushrooms. They're not going to do anything for you unless you cook Mm -hmm. them uh, for about 45 minutes over in the stove. Um, But you can also start cooking with mushrooms and adding them to your dog's food. Um, Mushrooms are just a really great time this year. There's a, a great... Uh, I have some lung tonics on my website, um, and I carry this product too. It's called Myco Dog. It's from Angela Ardolino's company, CBD Dog Health, and she makes um, three mushroom tinctures. They're reishi and ashwagandha based, I believe, and th- I like them. Um, they're warming, um, and uh, that's a it's a good product. Um, Also CBD in general, a full spectrum CBD is very anti-inflammatory. It helps this time of year, especially with pain, inflammation, with the lungs and the immune system. So that's good too. Um, I love infusions for dogs and sharing teas with our dogs. Nettles are such a lovely way to get more trace minerals and minerals make our kidneys work better, which is great for winter time. Parsley tea. Um, those two are just lovely during the winter time. So those are some things that you can do. I love that. Yeah, no, I love nettles too. I love everything you just said.
0: <laughs> this goes for humans too, you guys. This is all, this is, it, it, I feel like I'm I'm hearing uh, human advice as well. I know it's not, you're not giving medical advice by any means, but this is all this, yeah, it's all very much the same. I love mushrooms so much and I take them often and I don't talk about them often because I think that, uh, well I need to get an expert on to talk about them. I'm not the expert, I'm not the mushroom expert, but they really are so lovely and they are such a cool I don't even know what they are they're I, they're not plants, they're not animals, they're just some kind of cool being on this planet, and I really think that they are medicine for all of us so oh I love absolutely,
1: that. absolutely yeah.
0: yeah we we need I got to get Paul Stamets on here I think and
1: <laughs> um you could, you can reach out to Joni. Clem Kilmet. Um or Dr. Rob Silver. Um okay. he's a mushroom expert. Uh I love talking about mushrooms. Um, there's uh you can reach out to realmushrooms.com and they have an entire advisory and professional panel there. I'm part of their professional um kind of network for that company. Um uh, I learned so much from all of the different professionals that are part of that network. Awesome. Um, and you know the There's just so much to learn, and we'll just keep on learning because, you know, as a whole, we we know very little.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's. I remember. I mean, I think cordyceps saved my life a few times. To be honest with you, and I, when I was trying to finish up school as a single mom, and I was just a wreck of health, and I then I remember seeing a video on how cordyceps. That's not how they make it for human ingestion, but how it naturally occurs, how it takes over the insect's brain, and I. if anyone hasn't watched a video about that, go look up cordyceps and just cordyceps and insects and go watch a video. It's it's pretty wild. Again, that's not how they make it for human. It's not coming out of uh, insects. So anyway, I love all this. Okay, well, tell us where we can find you. So you mentioned your website. Please repeat that. Are you on social media? How can everybody access you? Uh, You have a store and courses. Tell us about that.
1: Okay, here's the rundown. So I have a podcast called Dogs, uh, Dogs are Individuals. You can find that wherever podcasts are. Also, you can find it on my teaching platform, which is canineherbalism.com. Um, I have uh, courses. Uh, I have an energetics course. I have a monthly monograph uh, program. I, my phytoembryonic therapy course is coming out for everyone, uh, plus practitioners and vets that is using plant stem cells. For uh as a system of medicine for buds, shoots, cool. bryonic constituents of plants. Uh, it's a it's a heart uh project of mine. And then um I have uh my level one canine herbalism course coming out in March. Those are all uh you can sign up for all of those uh right now on that teaching platform. And then I have a consulting website, canineherbalist.com. And I offer consulting. I have a full store of different types of um, remedies. So you can find me there. And I have an Ask the Herbalist function on that website if you want to ask me a question. Plus on my teaching platform, I have a subscription community where it's $10 a month. You can ask me any question you want. We do a live Q&A. We also do live trainings every month and you get a lot of perks um, for for being a member there. And it's an easy way to get a hold of me. I'm, I am very busy. Um, so I don't answer random questions that come into my email. You either have to go through Ask the Herbalist on my website or be a member of that. And I'm on Instagram at Canine Herbalist. I am on Facebook at Canine Herbalist. I also have a private Facebook group called Dogs or Individuals. Oh, I love that. That's
0: great. Okay. Well, we will make sure that the links are in the show notes and everybody can access this
1: wonderful resource that is that is Rita. <laughs> this is great. Also, I think that this episode might be coming out soon. Yes. And I am through December 1st having my 20% off of everything sale and that coupon is all caps black fur Friday. It's 20% off of pretty much everything I have besides consulting.
0: Oh, I love it. Okay, we'll make sure to include that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your wonderful pearls and knowledge. This is. I hope this is helpful for my listeners. My listeners know that I'm a dog fanatic, so I'm hoping that many of my listeners are as well and that they got as much out of it as I did. Thanks for coming on.
1: You are so welcome. I was super happy to be here, and and I support your dream in having some type of dog-centered uh, rescue. That's, that's in the cards. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at drtina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2 as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Gilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.
2: Do you suffer from IBS or other digestive issues? Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes the all-new health and nutrition podcast, Digest This, hosted by Bethany Ugarty. You may know Bethany as the face of the popular Instagram page, Lil Sipper, or you may have even read her book. Now you can find her wherever you get your podcasts. On Digest This, Bethany examines topics such as gut health, nutrition, the food industry, and highlights specific ingredients that can be beneficial or harmful to your gut health. She also explores non-toxic options in beauty, home, and cooking essentials. If it has to do with your health, Digest This is talking about it. Each episode features an interview with health experts, doctors, and wellness advocates, and delivers you information that is, well, easy to digest. Bethany also delivers a weekly segment every episode called Bite of Knowledge, where she highlights an ingredient commonly used in food, skincare, household cleaning, you name it and gives you the lowdown on the benefits or dangers that ingredient might have in your everyday life. From Botox, potassium, olive oil, and magnesium, all the way to those ingredients you can barely pronounce on the back of your cereal boxes, Bethany has you covered. There's a reason why it debuted at number two on Apple Podcast Nutrition Charts. Check out Digest This on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Monday and Wednesday, produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.